Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of To The Point Podcast. Everybody's doing well. On a beautiful Friday as we head into the weekend, uh, lots happening in the world of sports. We got uh, the U.S. Open golf this weekend. We got the NHL in full swing. Uh, my guest today's favorite sport, the NBA, a couple game sevens potentially on the horizon. But uh, no, it's, we're here on a Friday. It's a nice day. And I said, it's been a, it's been a few weeks. We got to get Casey Ward back on the show, especially with his Yankees riding a, a three game sweep of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. So Casey, how are things in your world? And uh, obviously you got to be excited with the play of uh, your Yankees. Yeah, for sure. It's good to be back on. No, I appreciate the, uh, appreciate the invite. Always, always nice to come jump on and talk sports. It's been, you know, the sports world has been great for me last couple of weeks, you know, yeah. came on here, predicted, uh, predicted the Habs would take down the old Maple Leafs, just yeah. you know, trigger warning for all those Leafs fans out there. And then, you know, on top of that, my Yanks just lay a beating on the friggin' Blue Jays. So we're off to a good week in the U.S. Open this weekend. So it's looking great. How about yourself? Yeah, no, life's Like you said, the world sports has been great. You know, this time last year, you could hardly get a sporting event on. And now there's too much for me to watch. I'm like, I got the computer going. I got the TV. I'm like flipping back and forth. And But, it, it, you know, um, with the golf, I love that it's uh, in San Diego. Is you get golf till 11, like 12 o'clock last night. I love that. Uh, yeah. I love the late night making putts. But um, yeah, you're, you're, we'll start today with, with some baseball. And your Yankees sweep the Blue Jays. First two games of the series, both one-run games where they, they win the game off uh, pinch hit home runs. Uh, Gary Sanchez with, with a key two-run shot. And then, you know, the Blue Jays bullpen has just been a, a disaster this uh, in the past month or so. But your Yankees are starting to get healthy. Giancarlo has been hitting the ball well. Uh, the starting pitching, it is what it is, but the Yankees have one of the best bullpens in baseball. So they're, they're behind the Red Sox and the Rays right now, but with Glasnow's injury, the Rays are they're on a slide. Uh, how do you feel about your Yankees overall about almost halfway into the season? Well, that's the thing with uh, with the Rays. Like, Glasnow going down is huge. So they're losing the big guy in their rotation. So... If uh, Garrett Cole, uh, we can get Kluber back, he'd mm-hmm. be a big, uh, big pitcher back, big arm back in the uh, rotation. And I've been liking um, German and uh, Talon. Yeah. They've yeah. been pitching pretty, pretty consistent. One thing I didn't like about last night was um, uh, who was who's a closer they called in last night? I can't remember. His oh, name. Uh, Zach Britton. Yeah, he was having a little. T- he was having some tough times finding the strike zone, but yeah. you know. He's got to work out the kinks, I guess. He, he had bone chips, I think, removed, right? So Yeah, he did. Yeah, he had pretty serious surgery. So Yeah. No, it's – it's. Uh, I know from when we talked previously, like, the, the Yanks were really struggling, and I was just down and out on them. I wasn't really supporting. I was kind of a shadow fan. But yeah. <laughs> uh, now that I have a little bit more time, I'm watching a little bit more games, seeing um, – like you were saying – uh, Stanton's been hitting the ball well. He's been going a lot opposite field. He hit a home run opposite field last night. Um, the night before, he was going opposite field as well, line drives. So you can't you can't complain when you see that. Plus, I've been seeing um, Urshela. He's been playing pretty well. So can't complain. No, yeah. They, Judge has been solid all year. I think, you know, he's actually hitting over 300, which is crazy for him because he, he's a strikeout king. But he's hitting the ball well. Uh, like you said, Stanton, I, I, like you, I really like Gio Urshela. I think he's a really, really good in the field. And 
his bat isn't what it was last year, but he's still hitting 270. You know, he almost hit two dingers last night. So, I mean, he's, he, he's got, I think he had five RBI last night. So he, he had a game last night, but I look, one thing I think they need to improve is their outfield. I love Brett Gardner. He's a great, you know, he's a great Yankee, you know, he's, but his arm is like mine. I, I, and it's my arm. I've never played baseball. So I, I could probably maybe throw it to third. Like me, I, I, I could will it in there. You know, I don't know. He, when I see him throw, it's always a one hopper or it, I adding, he's a good guy to have on the bench, but adding a real legitimate left fielder. I don't think Clint Frazier is that guy. Um, I think adding a legitimate left fielder would be a big, big add to the, to this already good team. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, <clears throat> Brett Gardner is, you know, he had a good career. He mm-hmm. he's done it for the Yanks for a long time, and I think now they're just trying to keep him along, just as a as a goodwill. I don't know, right? Kind of like Pedroia in with Boston. Yeah, kind of like in <clears throat> it's the same thing with Jeter and the Yanks too. When he was on his way out, yeah, they you can't get rid of him because he's been there for so long, and you feel like you owe him a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But at some point. Um, you're going to need someone to get over the hump. Like I've, I've been watching these Yanks for a long time and uh, every damn season, when we get to the postseason, Wardo goes in the hole. So <laughs> we got to get something to get us over the hump. And I don't know if it's a, if it's a left fielder. I don't know if it's a second baseman. I don't know what it is. I don't know. It could be a bullpen. So, yeah. I'll throw a name out there for you. This guy probably wouldn't play left field, but they can move some guys around because they got some versatility out there. Charlie Blackman of the Colorado Rockies. Uh, he He's a good bat. He's solid in the field. And the Rockies stink. Uh, they're not mm-hmm. going to be making the playoffs. Uh, I think they'll sell. Like Trevor Story could be a, a tradable asset for them too. Um, but he's he, he can put a bat lead off too uh, for them. So I, he's a... It'd be an interesting ad for the Yankees, and they're not afraid to spend the money either. Yeah, no, the Yanks have no problem spending cash, that's for sure. Um, Blackman would be would be a nice addition. Um, yeah, I never I never even thought about adding a piece like that. I was kind of thinking, I don't know. I always feel like the the Yanks always try to load up their bullpen for some reason. Like yeah. it's, and I don't know. Like it's tough to say with what's going on in the uh, MLB right now with the. Uh, the foreign substance so i don't know like the boys could be getting some suspensions going here so yeah i don't know it's it's a sticky situation for cole especially after that pretty awful interview we had where he, uh, Ooh, yeah yeah that was pretty rough yeah that was uh for people that haven't heard it go go back and listen to that one because i he gets asked directly if he's using foreign substances and he he basically says well, things are passed down from generation to generation and who's to say, and I'm like, just say you do like, you might as well, like, you sound like an idiot, but you know, he, he's obviously one of the best pitchers in baseball, but yeah, I think adding a left fielder, another starting pitcher would be good. Um, this might send a horror show back in you, but he was okay as a Yankee. I think could be available. Sonny Gray. Maybe he makes a return. Okay. He wasn't, he wasn't a bad Yankee. No, he wasn't. He he's not been having a bad year either. No. So, I mean, we'll take all the help we can get. Yeah. <laughs> we got um, a little. We're back a few games, so we gotta we got some room to make up. So it's it's definitely important that uh, the Yankees try and stay hot for now. 
Yeah, on the other side of the coin, the Blue Jays. Um, obviously, you know Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is having an incredible season. I mean, him and Tatis have both been just—they both have 22 home runs. I mean, they're just—they're the whole show. But the Blue Jays have 22 losses this season when they were leading in the seventh inning. That is an incredible stat. Just shows how terrible their bullpen is. But. Their starting pitching isn't great. It isn't terrible, but it's not great. Their bullpen, are, as a Yankee fan, are you scared of the Blue Jays? Are they a legitimate threat, or are they on the back burner for you? For, for myself, I think they're on the back burner for me. It's just like from the sample size that I've seen the past three nights, I've watched uh, – I haven't watched full games, but I've watched a good amount of, of each game. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like the – the body language and the persona that uh, some of these guys in the Blue Jays dugout give out when, when they're in the field, when they know they're, they got to go back out to the, to the field, play their position and their pitchers going to just get peppered. So it's tough. Like you watch Bichette and you watch Biggio, um, Richick, Glad Jr. They all have great uh, attributes, especially offensively, but it's just, you can see, when they have to go back out to the field, they know that they're in for a long inning because their pitching is getting, at this point, it's kind of, it's like tough to watch for some games, right? So. Yeah, I mean, poor Charlie Montoyo. Cause he's sitting there basically telling the media day after day, what do you want me to do? I have no, I can't. And like the other night he keeps stripling in for 101 pitches and I don't blame him. You know, he gave up Sanchez homered off him, but you don't trust anybody in that bullpen. Other than Romano, there's really Chatwood is a disaster. He's walking. He can't hit a strike zone. You know, if his life depended on it, you got Trent Thornton. Who's yeah. yeah. You got, they're throwing guys, you know, left Castro through a, a third of an inning last night, gave up five hits, three earned just a disaster for him. But you know, Montoya is taking all the heat, but he, you know, the, the GM's got to give him better talent in the bullpen and that's, that's got to come sooner than later if this team wants to legitimately compete for a playoff spot. Yeah, no, and it's it's like the flip around, right, from when 2015, 2016, when the, the, the Blue Jays were the team to come out of, the, to come out of this division. Like, mm-hmm. th- during those years, like, I was just – I was frustrated because I thought the Yanks were just always so much better than every team and they could spend the money to get – um to be the, the better teams, but the Yank or the the Jays, sorry, are seem to be on that downhill swing, and it I don't know what it's going to take for them to kind of bounce out of it because these guys, like the young guys that they have, are they're they're going to be young stars in the league. So I don't, I don't know if it's going to take a whole remastering and revamping of the bullpen and pitchers, but it it's not very uh, pretty in Toronto right now. No, uh, you know, th- two losses by a run and losing, you know, getting beat up a little bit, 8-4 last night. Good news for the Blue Jays is they have um, the Baltimore Orioles this weekend. Uh, so that's always a welcome sight to see the Orioles coming to town. The only thing better would be playing the Diamondbacks, who have lost 23 st- straight road games. I don't know how the hell that's even possible, but they just beyond pathetic down there in Arizona. Uh, it, as, this, as a whole this year, Case, what team has been the most surprising to you and most disappointing? You know, surprising, obviously, in a 
positive note and then disappointing, you know, the latter? Well, the team that I would say least surprised me is um, the Rays. Yeah. It seems like every goddamn year, you know, they seem to figure out a way to win games and they end up taking up the division for the long, like a majority part of the year. So it, it, at some point I'm going to expect them to be there every year, but it's just like, I keep thinking it's going to be the Yankees, the Red Sox. It, right. It's like, I feel like it's going to be a tight race every year and it's just always Tampa Bay just blows them out of the water. Yeah. They, yeah, they trade Blake Snell, who's won a Cy Young. And like you said, their first place. Uh, yeah, they traded Willie Adamas, their shortstop. They have the second lowest payroll in baseball. They have the third best record. It's it's crazy. It's crazy what they can do down there with you know guys. You look at their lineup, you're like, who the hell is that? Who's Austin Meadows and G-Man Choi and all these? But they just find a way to win. And yeah, I think the glass now injury will really tell us a lot about this race team. I mean, he's a really really good pitcher, and it sounds more and more like he's going to need Tommy John surgery. Jeez. So that's that's a year plus of an injury I mean, that you, know, you may never be the same guy, but you know, the team, can they win the division now? And I'll jump on your team. I thought the Red Sox would be better, but I thought the Yankees would be better than them. I thought the blue Jays would be better than them for sure. And they just keep winning. I like, uh, you know, they traded Mookie Betts, which will always look like a bad trade because Mookie Betts went on to LA to win a world series and he was a stud. But Alex Verdugo, he's a good little, he's a good prospect uh, for them. He's a solid bat. He's good in the field. Uh, JD Martinez has found his game again. Uh, you know, Hunter Renfro, a guy who was in Tampa, he's got a solid bat. And they, you know, their pitching isn't great, but they outscore their opponents a lot, and they just find ways to to win. I'm I'm surprised that they're this good at this point of the year. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100. <clears throat> One of the, uh, it's so funny because when we're talking about the Rays. Um, just last weekend I was in a golf tournament and uh, I got a Yankees ball marker for the greens, you know, just mm-hmm. keep it classy. Yeah. And this guy says, Oh my God, I hate the Yankees. I'm like, okay, well, good for you. You know, like he says, yeah, the only team I hate more than the Yankees, I think is the Rays. I'm like, what? <laughs> like you hate the, you hate the Rays? Yeah. that's my buddy said he's like no one hates the Rays the Rays are like the no one no one even knows who's on the Rays yeah like how can you hate them but um another team that I like just to watch every now and again is uh I like to throw on the Dodgers if they're ever late night games especially if they're playing against San Diego yeah yeah they yeah Dodgers San Diego actually series starts Monday between those two teams mm-hmm. and that's yeah. must see TV with Tatis and Bauer and you know I, I agree uh, the Dodgers are fun to watch I love watching the San Diego game myself with uh, Tatis is the most I think he's the funnest athlete in baseball and he's just his attitude and what he brings to the table I I love watching him in that division case um San Francisco like what the hell like they, they just I don't they swept the Dodgers a few weeks ago I was like what they, they have the, basically the same lineup Minus Mad Bomb that they were winning all the World Series. Buster Posey's still there. Crawford. They got Evan Longoria, who I thought it was Cook three years ago. He's there. Uh, you know, Brandon Belt. And they're first in the NL West over the Dodgers and the Padres. It's crazy what they're doing. Oh, my God. I know. And I think a lot of it comes down to they've had some real good nights with the pitching. Like, um, 
John Means has been kind of dealing a lot, a lot of good games. So um, I don't know. It's like, it's tough. Like you never know. Like you see these guys that have these huge payrolls and these young teams that are full of stars, but it's always these uh, old experienced guys that get, get their way through and know their way around the block, especially all these guys. They, they've been around and they won a few world series, especially um, with the, with the giants not leaving. So it's, uh, it's interesting to see. And I, I know when, uh, when the uh, Giants swept the Dodgers, I was um, fired up because uh, I got a few Dodgers in my uh, fantasy league, and uh, they they didn't perform very well, so I was fired right up. Is uh is is our friend Seamus Fillmore in that fantasy league? Yeah, he's uh he's commish actually, so oh, it's commish. yeah, pretty it's pretty uh, questionable league. Some of the scoring, I don't know his his pitchers always have fifty points a week, so I don't know. It's kind of questionable. Yeah, it's kind of like his golf game. It's a little questionable. Uh, the fluff Lots of improved lies. Yeah, uh, he's like Patrick Reed out there. Uh, <laughs> how about most disappointing team in baseball so far? Um, well, like I don't really have much, many uh, disappointing uh, aspects of baseball. It's just I was really upset with the way the Yanks were performing at the start of the year, but yeah. now it's kind of they're on the – we can see if they can kind of get on the uphill swing. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say the Atlanta Braves for me. They uh, they got some bad luck with uh, Mike Soroka, the, the, the Canadian pitcher who tore his Achilles last year and has a setback. He might not even pitch this year, which I, I feel terrible for him because he was third in NL Cy Young voting just two years ago. Uh, but he's he's hurt, and but their bats have gone cold. Their pitching is a disaster. Charlie Morton hasn't worked moving from Tampa uh ian anderson who had a great rookie year hasn't been the same pitcher and you know that whole division is really strange because the mets are leading it but you got the phillies who haven't been very good you the nationals aren't very good and in atlanta it, whoever wins that division is just going to be who, who isn't that terrible basically it looks mm-hmm. right now yeah no for sure um that that also kind of reminds me i guess of uh one player that has been um really I say lackluster and very upsetting for me is um, freak. What's his name? Uh, Strasburg, Steven Strasburg from the uh, nationals. I, uh, when he was in the finals there, like he was electric to watch. Like I, I thought him and uh, Scherzer, I thought they were like unreal. Like to just watch them go at it every twice twice in the world series because they went game one two and then six seven right so yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's it's wicked to watch but it now he's you can kind of see he's kind of starting to get plagued by injuries and how how is he going to come back from these and you know it's it's tough when the pitcher starts experiencing injuries because you never know how long it's going to last right yeah, for him, he had such an injury history, and it was crazy that he got through that postseason and he could pitch that much. But maybe, like you, like you're saying, the toll of that World Series and what it took to win is, you know, taking it out on him now. And I think he's only pitched like 15 innings this year. It's been, and he's always on the IL. So, hope the Nationals are are sinking too. I could see Scherzer. I think that'd be a big trade. But if a team wanted to make a move uh he i think he'll be available come the trade deadline and i'm sure he'll be an attractive asset for a lot of teams out there 
Yeah, no, I think that's a, if someone could land him, that's a blockbuster trade. And if, uh, if you really want to go all in and, you know, move, move the chips all in, so to speak, then he, he would be your piece to go after. I would say it almost seemed like a no brainer. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's an ace, you know, you add an ace to your staff. It's like Houston, you know, the year, no, that's probably not a good reminder for you, but the year they added Verlander, uh, you know, he, he, he wasn't, uh, here in the, the pots and pans when they were banging them. He's just throwing pitches, but you had, yeah. you had a guy of that caliber. I don't care how old he is or the back nine of his career. Scherzer can still pitch. I mean, you watch him. I don't think anybody wants to win more the way he just, he gives it his all when he's throwing, you can just tell. And, uh, yeah. He'd be, he'd be a good ad for a lot of teams um, in Major League Baseball. Um, let's pivot to golf, where the U.S. Open started yesterday. And uh, they're playing it at uh, Torrey Pines in San Diego. And it's a, it's a tough course. Uh, the U.S. Pretty nasty. Open, yeah, it's pretty nasty. Uh, just watching some of Phil's putts yesterday where, you know, they should go in, but they just rattle out. I, mean, I could see just how frustrating that would be. But it's a tough U.S. Open always makes it tough. And I, I like the U.S. Open because, you know, it's going to be low scoring. Uh, you see the Masters, other tournaments. It's kind of like okay, who can get to 20 under first <laughs> I think this weekend. It's, it's going to be 10 under or less. I think the winner myself. Um, but you look at the top of the leaderboard. Russell Henley, not exactly a brand name. Yeah. Louis Stazen, who finished tied for second at the PGA. He's always sniffing around there. Little Louie. Uh, he. He can hit the fairway. I'll give him that. You got Rafa Cabrera Bello. You got Francisco Molinari, which I hadn't seen, had a sighting from him since he melted at the Masters uh, when Tiger beat him. Yeah. But um, after day one, and a few guys haven't been able to finish because of darkness last night, what do you make of the course as an avid golfer? Well, leading up to uh, the tournament, I've watched a few kind of things behind the scenes on Torrey Pines and that that course looks like it's pretty nasty. Yeah. Like I've seen a few videos of the rough and like, if you're in that thick stuff, like good luck trying to make a score. And uh, like one of the things that I noticed last night, um, I was, I watched uh, two groups mainly was um, the Shambo, yeah, Matsuyama and Strafachi. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, DJ Rory and Justin Rose. Right. I watched those two groups pretty, pretty close last night. And uh, there was one shot uh, that Strafacci had, it was a chip shot out of the rough to the green. And he had to land it. I would say probably about two feet on the green because the, the balls just roll on the, on the greens. There's yeah. like, I don't know if it's like a piece of glass, like when you put on that, but it's like the greens are just so nasty. And that's, I think honestly, that's one of my favorite things about a major event, especially the U.S. Open, is that you know that the greens are going to be just outrageous, especially come Sunday. Yeah, exactly. And they make it even tougher with the pin location, and it only gets more difficult as the days go by. But you mentioned that the rough and hitting hitting out of there. So as a golfer, is it more about having strength to get it out of there, or like just your timing, or what, what, as a you know I. I haven't swung a golf club in my life, but I love the sport. What what's the what's the what's the best way to get it out of there effectively? Uh, just for me as a novice here. Well, it for me it kind of just depends like where what you can do with the shot, right? Like, um, I was in a two man last weekend, and um, one of my buddies hit a ball to like six feet 
or not six feet, uh, 15 feet for a par putt. And uh, this was on a real tuck, tucked pin and we were in the rough. I didn't really have any other shots other than to kind of hit a flop shot like Phil. Mm-hmm. I ended up hitting it to probably six or seven feet, but that was, that was literally the only shot I could hit out of the rough from there. So it just depends on like where you're laying. Like I know if you kind of catch the ball clean then it's going to come out real fast, but um, if you don't hit the ball first, then you're going to have to, you're going to need some muscle to get it out of there for sure. Right. So that's kind of what DeShambo did last year. Um, that's kind of how he won because you know, that rough was so terrible last year at the U S open. He kind of battled his way through it, but um, looking at some other, you know, Brooks shot two under, he, he had a pretty solid day. I mean, if you shoot two under at, after the first round, you're right there. You mentioned Hideki Matsuyama you know, he's had a, he's had a good year winning the masters. He was in contention at the PGA. He's really making a name for himself. You got John Rahm at two under and Shoffley, you know, Shoffley's he missed a cut at the, PGA, but he's a, he's a major guy. He's always in contention for me. Those guys case, I look at John Rom. He had to pull out of the Memorial, which I didn't love. I thought he should be able to finish, but nevertheless, he always shoots bad on the first day of a major. I don't know if you notice that he's always like three over and then he'll battle mm-hmm. back and make the cut, but he doesn't have enough time to really get in contention. I think it's huge that he's two under two strokes out of the lead. He, he needed this to start a major and I don't, he, he's bound to win one and maybe because he's had such a good start, it's going to be his weekend for, for old John Rom. Yeah. I had, uh, I have a couple of names written down and I wanted to see how they were going to make out through their first day. And uh, that's one thing I noticed as well as, is Rom. He, if he can put himself in a really good position to kind of get himself through to Saturday and Sunday, and he doesn't have to make up very many shots. And I think this could be, this could be a weekend for the Spaniard. So um, who, who else would you have as someone else to like, who are your favorites for this weekend? Yeah. I liked Brooks before the tournament because of the whole, the Shambo angle. I think he, he really wants to win it just to stick it in his face. And I also think he's a little pissed off that he lost the PGA, uh, you know, Phil winning is a great story, but on the other side of that coin is Brooks really melting. Uh, you know, he, he should have won the PGA, and I think he knows that. So he was a favorite for me. I like Shoffley personally as a player. I do not trust him to win a major because he just blows it. Uh, but my, my kind of my long shot picks, I, I kind of like Dan Berger. He shot even par yesterday. Like, it's just, just a long shot if I was a better. He's a... He's a good golfer and uh, a guy I really like too. Had a tough day yesterday was Victor Hovland. He shot three over, uh, so he's probably out of it. But uh, I think Dan Berger, maybe he could sniff around uh, if he has a good day today. Maybe he could be in a, one of the final groups come Sunday. How about you? Well, yeah, that's uh, Dan Berger. That's a good pick. I I seen him pretty low there in the scoring, so I never uh, I never thought to mention him. But uh, some of the guys that I'm looking to see how they finish today and into tomorrow is uh, Brooks. You know, I'd like to see, I am, I'm with you and I listened to the pod uh, this week. You mentioned how they dropped the ball and, you know, they should have had, they should have had that marquee matchup, you know, in my opinion, they, I, I don't know if it's true that they called, they, they called them. That'd be something if they did. They and they were like, Hey, do you want to golf with Brooks? And he's like, yeah, no, listen, not a chance. Yeah. Even if it's on Sunday, last group, not a chance. Yeah. <laughs> like 
I don't know. It's just you got to put them together because it's going to grow the game, right? So exactly, it's great for the game. But uh, another guy, couple guys that I liked that had good days yesterday was was Brooks. I liked Rom's performance as well, and um, a surprising one under from Rory McIlroy. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching. I was watching that group, and uh, he was he was definitely struggling and struggling, and uh, looked like he was kind of whacking it all around. So, um, to get out of there one under is is a big day. So, it seemed like uh, it was really an advantage to play at night. Uh, at least I found anyway, because you had a lot of even pars at night, but yet Louis shot four under. You had. Um, Molinari shot early in the day, but Cantlay shot one under uh, last night. Hideki, like you said, Xander. Do you think there's a, an advantage either way? I mean, I guess it started the day with a weather delay, but do you, do you have a preference? Do you like playing early in the morning? Um, well, that's a good question because, like, during the week I play, like, after supper time, so right. 6 o'clock. And during the during the weekends, I prefer to get out around seven thirty or eight in the morning so that I have the rest of my day. Right. So I have noticed um, that in the evening, especially if it's warmer, the ball flies a little bit further. So um, maybe that's a nice nicer thing. maybe about playing a little bit in the later groups in the later rounds, because you have a little bit more heat in the air, a little bit. ball carries a little bit more rolls out a little bit so yeah no that's interesting uh you also got dj shot even par yesterday so he's missed the cut the first two majors of the year so be good to see him make one you mentioned bryson he had a tough go last night uh he he rebounded late and got a birdie i think on 17 he birdied uh but two over i mean he's not out of it but um because i think like we said the scores are not going to be very you know, high or, you know, low in this, in golf's case, but he, uh, him and your boy, Justin Thomas, both at, at two over, uh, what would you make of JT's start to the, uh, to the open? Yeah. JT was struggling. He, uh, a few too many bogeys for my liking, but, uh, seems like he's hitting the ball. Not, not, not too, uh, well, well, not, uh, not too bad. I should say. Um, he, I watched a few of his clips, I, I didn't have a chance to watch his uh, round live, so I just kind of uh, watched a few of the highlights and um, like he, he just missing putts. He just he's getting there, but he's just it's just not going. It, putts aren't dropping, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's hard to make good scores when when that's not uh, when the ball is not going in the hole. Yeah, those greens are tough. I mean, Phil Phil had a few yesterday where you're like, yeah, that's a gimme, and it it rims out. I think. Uh, Lee Westwood had a putt that it looked like it was just money and it, it leaked out. You could see him. He wanted to smash that club because he shot two over. Um, some guys with high scores but are good players. And I want to ask you, who do you think has the best chance to kind of turn it around, make the cut, and potentially, you know, have a, a shot at winning this weekend after a high score on the first day? And I'll run through some names for you. Victor Hoblin, three over. Tony Finau, three over. Morikawa, four over Phil four over. And I also included uh, Will Zalatoris at four over Speef is a six. I didn't want to include six over. He's trunk slamming. Uh, but yeah. uh, any, any of those guys you think who is the best chance at this course of kind of turning around and maybe making a cut and potentially being in the mix uh, this weekend? Well, 
I have uh, one one of the guys that I like in that group. There is um, Morikawa. Yeah. I like him. Mm-hmm. His his second shot and his his uh, long long iron game is uh, phenomenal. And uh, two guys that I have not not on that list that I think might have a good chance if they can kind of turn it around. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, I got him here for you. It's uh, reigning or uh, former U.S. Open champion uh, Gary Woodland. Oh, Jerry. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think if uh, if Gary can put that little little stinger in play, let the ball run a little little bit through that fairway, you know. Yeah. That's uh, I think he might have a chance. You know, he's only three over two. He shot a seventy four yesterday, so it's not he's not like he's out of it. So. Yeah. And my last guy, he's uh he's a euro. It's. Uh, yeah, I know. I went across the river for this one. <laughs> so uh, we got Tommy Fleetwood. Oh, the Fleetwood. Yeah. Yeah. We got him. Uh, he's only one over one bat. Uh, one over. So, you know, he's not not out of it then by any means. And no. he's he's consistently striking the ball pretty well. So just a matter of getting putts to fall. Yeah. Fleetwood's always a good major player. You know, he kind of plays on a European tour a lot. So you don't see him a lot at, at events, but He's, he's at the masters. He's always there and he's, he's, he's a good pick for, for majors. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I like him a lot. I, I look at this group. I agree that Morikawa is four over, but he's not the biggest power hitter, but we look at the top of the leaderboard. A does not smash the ball, get it on the fairway. That's the most important thing. And you can play from there. Henley, you know, Rafa Cabrera Bello. These, these are Spaniard little skinny guys. They're not, you know, DeChambeau's uh Francisco Molinari definitely not a, a masher by any means um so I think I agree with you Morikawa and I I don't think I think Phil is gonna miss the cut unfortunately but he won the PGA so he's already you know done this year yeah he's Morris potentially um I'd like to see him I, I just like the kid uh, I like watching him play I don't know how he hits it so far when he looks like he's about 6'5 125 pounds but um he's um He's a fun kid to watch too, but I, I think it's going to be, a, a, I hope for just a good weekend. I hope we see a lot of a good players mixed together and, you know, just a leaderboard on Sunday that's close together is all I really can ask for at a major. Yeah. I, I would like to see this kind of major kind of sneak back up to maybe the, the USGA kind of firms it up, firms the greens up and kind of takes the scoring out of play and kind of gives these guys a, little harder bit of a time than they're going to have. I'd like to see this kind of finish closer to uh par or yeah. plus. So that's when you know it's a good major, right? The, the course is playing tough and the conditions are hard. And it's just, you know, if you can survive the, uh, the four day mental grind of, of uh, playing in a tournament, then, you know, all the power to you. And I think you should be rewarded. So. No, knowing your game, what do you think you'd shoot at this course? From the tips, not very well. We're playing. <laughs> we're playing at about 11, 11 and a half, 12, 12 handicap right now. So playing at a seventy, playing at a par seventy one in my course. Tory Pines is a par seventy one. Mm-hmm. I predict probably high nineties. Right. My course is. I'm consistently in the eighties. It's. I can have an off off game, and I can still find a way to break. 90 so i don't know it's tough with the harder courses and stuff it's uh 
it's tough to say. My course is so flat. It's like, you know, I could walk off the edge of the earth and I would, would be right there. So these guys, these, these courses with these big undulations and these big slopes and everything is yeah. it's tough. Yeah. I, but I think, you, I think on your course, we're going to see a 70 pretty soon here. Uh, oh. 78 yeah. I feel it I feel it coming on yeah yeah no for sure that's part of the grind here we're trying to get down to a single digit handicap we're we're putting in a little bit of work we're trying to get it down but uh it's tough when you're I don't know, it's tough when you kind of play best ball tournaments and stuff too it's hard because you just you get to match like Bryson every now and again so right. yeah you like to take a couple chances and hope for the best yeah, take these yeah. outrageous lines and hit these big banana hooks and <laughs> <laughs> his poor caddy. My God, that guy takes a beating. But uh, yeah, we'll see what Bryce can do today. He's out uh, on the driving range in the pitch black last night, so I'm sure that was really uh, productive for him. But he's he's a character nonetheless. Uh, that's all you yeah. can say about him. Um, Stanley Cup playoffs. We're in the conference finals, and like you said off the top, you predicted that the Montreal Canadiens would beat. The Toronto Maple Leafs, um, just crushing the spirit of a lot of people around here. But you turned out to be right. It didn't didn't look good at the beginning, down three one, but they rallied back. Some great goaltending, some solid play from from the defense core. They go on to sweep the Winnipeg Jets, and Winnipeg looked like the uh, Seattle SuperSonics uh, in that uh, in that series. And now we're tied one one heading into tonight, Game Three, in front of a jam packed thirty five hundred people crowd at the bell center that can fit probably 50 if you really wanted to uh but they get the split in vegas which is which is huge for montreal what have you made of, of their play over the first two games and uh what's the key for them winning tonight and, and moving forward yeah that's the habs have been on a bit of a run here the last few few weeks and uh it's nice to see uh, i have no problem crushing people's spirits down in uh any part of the world that they cheer for the Leafs, yeah. I have no no problems doing that. So it's uh, it's been absolutely uh, unreal to see uh, the performance of uh, Carey Price. I thought um, his performance in Game One and Two of this series have been. I mean, Game One he got a little bit, a couple more goals passing than he's used to, mm -hmm. but um, Game Game Two I thought he really bounced back very well and. Uh, some of the lateral movement saves that he had to make where especially that one on uh, Martinez Martinez. Yeah. Holy yeah. God. Like Hill was sleeping and uh, he, he made that save and I, I jumped right up. I was like, Holy shit. No way. Like I thought that was in, like I, I was on the edge of my seat. So um, especially the other night too, with uh, Petrie and his, uh, you know, bloodshot oh, eyes. Yeah. I, I, that was crazy in warm up. So it's, uh, you know, it's pretty crazy. Like, I don't know what it is about the Habs, but they're they're on a mission right now, and uh, I like the way that Toffoli has been playing. Caulfield, uh, Perry, Armia, uh, Stahl—they're all kind of guys that are just getting it done by committee, and uh, yeah, it's it's kind of wicked to see. Yeah, uh, you know Toffoli. I I mentioned this yesterday in the pod, but I I'll bring it up again. He had a great regular season, and you know it's been a narrative that all these great players that had really good regular seasons are golfing now. Uh, you know, they're, they're done. They're going to UFC events or, you know, they're doing other things. Um, just a little shot there. Uh, he, uh, he's got an eight game point streak in the playoffs. 
he, he was on a third, he was on a 40 goal pace. Like there's still guys that have a really good regular season that are playing. He's one of them just because it's not yep. David or, you know, dry Matthews, McKinnon, whatever he's doing it to your, like you're saying. And uh, the fourth line of Montreal, I, I can't say enough good things about them. Corey Perry, the guy had to practically beg for a job and is he slow in the regular season? Yeah. And, but I'll tell you what, I would take him on my team any day of the week in the playoffs and him with stall. Armia's got five goals in the playoffs. I mean, it's just what, what they're, what that line's doing. And they made the Reeves carrier line look really bad in game one. That line was hemmed a lot in their own zone. And for, for Vegas, that cannot be a matchup. The Reeves line cannot go up against that line because they just, they can't, Physically, they're just getting outmatched by by these three, you know, really tough guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Um, like that fourth line from Montreal, they play they play heavy, and uh, mm-hmm. especially for for Perry and Stahl being on the on the uh, back nine of their careers, I would say um, it's been it's been something to watch because like Reeves is Reeves is a younger man. Um, a lot of the fourth line for Vegas are younger yeah. guys. So uh, when, when I looked at this series uh, as a whole, like I thought uh, one through four, I thought Vegas would run right over the uh, top line, the lines of uh, the Habs, but it, it's been almost the opposite. It seems like it's, uh, it's more even strength, I think, than we were anticipating, I think. Yeah, uh, and for Vegas tonight, they need to come out and play a good first period because they haven't in the first two games. Expect game two, uh, they were out to lunch. Uh, you know, Montreal was all over them, and I think for for Montreal, it's more important for them to score the first goal than any team remaining. They need to play with that lead, uh, and mm-hmm. you got Price, who you, you're comfortable with that. But when they have to chase a game, it's tough, especially against Vegas. Um, but Montreal needs to get on the board early and for Vegas, their defense have been you know, getting the points. They got nine points by defense in their first two games. Pacioretty, um, you know, stone tonight is the night for you to show up here. You know, you, yeah. I think they've just been okay. in The first two games, hopefully Chandler Stevenson's back for them. Cause they, then they can even out their lineup a little bit, mm-hmm. but to me, their, their best forward over the first two games has been Alex Tuck. I, yeah. He just jumps off when you're watching a game and you, you know, you just look, you say, okay, 89's on the ice again. You notice him every time because he's doing something. He's moving 110 miles an hour. Yeah. No, another guy that, another guy like Tuck that I always find, like you say, 89's always on the ice. Another guy that I always see on the ice is, is uh, Marcia. So yeah, seems like they're always running around. Like they, they play the game heavy too. Right. So that's, that's a big uh, addition for the, for the golden Knights lineup, because uh, if you got, if you have those guys that are, that play the game heavy and they can get in on the four check and lay, lay some body on the defense. Well, that's way more effective than having a guy like Marner that he cuts top of the circles and looks for a backdoor pass or something, you know, like that's, it's just, it makes, it makes a team so much more better because you have, you have so much uh, more momentum and you have, I don't know. That's just my, my take on it. I think. Yeah. I, I think what we're learning just the past couple of years, looking at cup champs, you need to play heavy 
but you can be fast too. You don't need just to be slow. Like you look at, oh, these teams are heavy. Well, Tampa's not barbaric, but they, they have heavy guys. Like Kucherov is a skilled forward, but nobody can tell me he doesn't play heavy. That guy's got a ton of bite. And if you want to poke that bear, he'll lay you the fuck out. And that's, you know, Braden Point. I mean, we'll get into that series in a minute. But he owns the slot. Like, he's, he's shorter than me. And he, you know, he's in the slot taking a beating, unlike some other players that I know wouldn't, that are the same height, uh, that I won't name. Uh, you know, it's just, I, I, I think you need to be big. You clearly need to be big. But you can also, if you're a small guy, you can still play heavy. You know, Holmstrom was not the biggest man. But he owned that crease in Detroit for his whole career. He was thick, don't get me wrong, but he was not, you know, stature. He wasn't a huge guy. Um, you know, point I look at, you know, Corey Perry, he's not, you know, he's not a, a truck. He's not Ryan Reeves, but he, when he gets, he's an irritant when he's down there. And, you know, Brennan Gallagher, you know, he plays heavy. He's a small guy. And I don't know if you know this, I don't know if this happens up in Miramichi case, but as you know, I have a lot of family members that are Leafs fans. Nope. And I've heard the whole playoffs. Oh, I fucking hate Brendan Gallagher. And it, that tells me that Brendan Gallagher is a really good player because he's pissing you off to the, you know, so much that you're like, okay, this guy's, you know, he's living rent free in your brain because he's, he's doing that. I, I just think he's done a lot for himself when it comes to this playoffs and what he brings to his overall game as a player. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, I don't know what it is with these small guys in the NHL, but, I think that's what it is. Like Gallagher, he's a irritant. He's like Marshawn. He, mm-hmm. he just leaves that nasty taste in your mouth, but you can't tell me that if, if Gallagher somehow ended up on the market in the free agent market and he had no ties to Montreal, didn't want to come back. Toronto wouldn't go out and sign him. You would look like an idiot. Like yeah. you, yeah. you, you spend your whole the whole time this guy was in Montreal, he's been nothing but uh, he just shoving it in your face every year because he somehow ends up beating his, he somehow ends up putting the, on the game winner. doesn't matter. He always figures out a way to, to beat the Leafs somehow. So it, uh, it just seems like that's how, that's how it goes, especially for, I could just imagine, especially for you living with uh, old Darren Warren, I could just imagine yeah, Brandon Gallagher living rent free in his head. Oh, he's so. living rent free. Yeah, he's oh yeah, he's he's got a he's got a sweet setup and uh, DW's brain there. But yeah, um, even you look at like in 06, the Edmonton Oilers had Chris Pronger. He played against the Anaheim Ducks in a five game series. It was chippy as hell. It was he he's a dirty player. I love him to death. I know you do too. But nobody can tell me Chris Pronger is not a dirty hockey player. What did the Anaheim Ducks do the next year? They go trade for Chris Pronger because they know let's go win a cup here. You know, like you say, if Brandon Gallagher is available tomorrow, if the least could afford him, that's another story. Yeah, that's that's another possibility. hundred percent sign him. And if they didn't, I'd be like, okay, fan, you hate Brandon Gallagher. You don't want him. Okay. You're not really a fan. You want to keep losing because that's, yeah. you know, that's the same recipe, but I just guys, you know, point Lekkonen, another guy, he's not a big guy. And he's, he gets to those areas and it, he might not score every time, but it has an effect. Yanni Gord, you know, he scores a goal last night where in the slot, because he's not afraid to go there. And I, I think 
it just takes that certain instinct to to take your lumps but guess what it's going to work out in the long run because we're going to win a cup here yeah no 100 percent um last night watching that islanders islanders game and uh islanders lightning game um that's one thing i noticed about uh the the, the small guys in front gourd scores a goal early in the first period right so um and then you just watch Braden Point all night. He, I seen your Facebook status last night too. Just how he's a warrior in front. Yeah. He owns the he owns the slot. So yeah, um, yeah, he's not a big guy by any means. And to be able to stand in the middle of the the power play in the slot and play that rotation game and you know bang pucks home. You know, all the credit to him. He's got ten goals, four assists so far, and he's he seems to be uh, leading by leading the charge, so to speak, for the uh, for the Lightning. Yeah, um, you know, he basically scored from his knees last night because he he takes that shot and it finds a way in. And I'm I, the biggest thing I was happy about that goal is that Barry Trotz, he's a smart coach, he did not challenge that because I was I was getting ready for it and I was gonna get pissed off and I was like, thank you, Barry, that was a good goal. Yeah, them in your goalie, like having a point the other night, and that stupid penalty. But nevertheless, yeah, that was awful. Wasn't that terrible? My God, like I, I don't really ever question very many things when I watch sports. Like I'm just like you know a dumb penalty, whatever. Mm-hmm. Ref made a bad call, but that one I seriously like. I had to, I had to grab the clicker. I, I rewinded it, and yeah. I'm like, he pushed him, like. I, I just couldn't I couldn't fathom that that happened. And if I was a player, I would have just lost my mind. I know, I after the game, he was so nice about it. He goes, oh, it's a tough decision. I'm like, there's four of you on the ice. Like, you think somebody would get it right? Like, what are you yeah. doing? Like, like oh. I couldn't imagine having to be Stamkos and listening to what the refs were saying. Like, I know. I, how did he get a cross-checking penalty? His head hit him. Like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I know me and you, and maybe not now, but in our – I'll call it our prime – uh just in sports and in life in that time when we were younger we both would have lost it uh i going to the bench i would have said uh, going to the box i would have said some choice words and if my dad was <laughs> fans, i know he would have yelled something too that probably wasn't the nicest thing in the world oh yeah there'd be uh, some ex- expletives for sure yeah um but last night you said two small guys score i thought tampa had a defensive clinic in the third period because the Islanders just couldn't get anything you know they mm-hmm. I think Zajac had their best opportunity, but I look at the Islanders case. They had 12 shots last night by the third and fourth line. And I, I throw the Martin line as, as a fourth line. And I have um, Zajac, Pajo and Palmieri as the other kind of third line. Yeah. The other two lines, they got to do more. Bavillier was really good in, in the second round. I thought, I thought he was a star in that round. Barzell, the same thing. Maybe they need to think, I think they need to consider moving Barzell. I mean, I, I love Uncle Leo, but he's never going to score. Everly, he's a good player, but maybe get Barzell out there with Brock Nelson. Brock Nelson's probably the most natural goal scorer on the team. It's a 2-1 game, but you know, that's how Islanders like to play. You know, Tampa beat them at their own game last night. I think it's time for a little bit of a, a pivot here for the New York Islanders. Mm-hmm. That's that's another thing, too, with, uh, with the Islanders that I – it's going to take like the third period last night was just phenomenal defensive hockey by the uh, lightning. It's, it's, it was hard for, for guys like Barzell, uh, Josh Bailey, Mm -hmm. uh, Eberle to get anything going. 
last yeah. night. And another guy that had a hard time last night, I thought, was Beauvillier. A lot of the times I've seen him, he got the puck at the red line, and he fires it in because he knows he's, he's not going to get anywhere near the net with uh, trying to drive it wide. So, mm-hmm. like, the defense – the defense core with uh, Tampa is so strong. You got Hedman, Sergachev, Cernak, uh, uh, Savard, uh, McDonough, and uh, yeah. um, Shattenkirk's still there? No way. No, they got Ruda. He's the other defender. Ruda, yeah, that's what it is. I thought it was uh, for some reason I just blanked there. But, um, like, they're all so good, and uh, it it's definitely different to see someone else play the Islanders style game just to mm-hmm. shut it down, you know, and the Islanders kind of didn't have anything to counter with. They didn't know how to, how to penetrate. So. Yeah. It crazy. I thought of this this morning, three of the past six Tampa wins have been by a score of two to one. They beat Carolina twice, two to one. They beat uh, the Islanders last night, two to one. And it's just proving they can play any style you want in the first round. They beat Florida six, five. They win three one uh, two one twice. They like last night. I, I, a guy I love more and more watching him is Eric Chernak. He just eats people. Like they get to him and he's just like, no, you're not going. Like no pass go. Sorry, Monopoly. Go to jail. Uh, you know he just he he just evap- He's such a big man and he's strong, but he can. I and a guy who goes underrated is Ryan McDonough. And he was the number one defenseman forever in Tampa in uh, New York. And for Tampa and Vegas, the prohibitive favorites of both series to have really two number one defensemen in Shea Theodore and Petrangelo and McDonough and Hedman on the same team. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a hell of a luxury to have, uh, you know, at any time, let alone, you know, Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, no, for sure. And another, like one of the guys that I find is, is so underrated for me on the, on the lightning is um, Sergachev. Mm-hmm. I I find that he is uh, so smooth. I find his skating is is smooth. I find his first pass is uh, is really crisp, and he just seems to always be in the right place. And he seems to kind of get the get the job done. But uh, no, for sure, like the Petrangelo, he's he's been unreal so far. Mm-hmm. Um, the semifinal, he's two goals in the, in the second game, I think, right? Yeah. So him and uh, Theodore. Um, I seen. I think it was uh, Theodore fake slap shot. That was then, a beautiful play. I don't yeah. know how the hell how the hell he did that. He fit yeah. in the slot, and I don't blame Carey Price because I would have bit too. And he just a beauty pass to Alec Martinez, and Alec Martinez is another clutch guy. He scored some big goals in his career for LA, winning cups, and he continues to deliver on the big stage for for Vegas. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's what I mean too. Yeah, like that play was just phenomenal. Like the puck just walks right up to the ladies tee. He walks in, fakes his big, big slap shot and fires it over. Mm-hmm. Just like he, he, it's hard not to, not to bite. Right. So yeah, I've been real happy with the way that um, like Theodore and Petrangelo have been playing. And uh, it, it, it's going to be something to see if uh, Vegas and Tampa Bay end up in the finals because. Uh, I think it'll be a hell of a series. Yeah. Like that's, I, I know we've mentioned it before about maybe them being in the finals and I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times this year, but that's, uh, that would be like the marquee matchup, I think, in my opinion. But uh, 
you never know. The world might deserve a Habs Islanders final. So you never know. Twenty twenty one. Covid year. Yeah, wouldn't that be the Covid final? Uh, Islanders versus versus the Habs. Uh, before we pivot, I have a little game of fact or fiction to wrap up the podcast today. I thought we'd have a little fun with that. Uh, who do you got winning both series? Uh, you had a bold prediction about Montreal. I thought I'd give you the opportunity to do a little prediction on both series before, uh, uh, in the NHL here. You know, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ride the the Blaine Hanna wave, and I'm gonna stay I'm gonna stay loyal with the Habs. Okay. I think it's gonna go down to seven, but uh, I got the Habs winning it. Okay. This has just been uh, too good for me right now, even compared to uh, Flurry. It's just, I don't know. It's it's uh, as a as a gambling man, I wouldn't want to bet on either series, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride Price with this one, and uh, I got Tampa Bay in uh, six in the other. Six, yeah, yeah, Tampa in six too. But yeah, Montreal. I. I... I heard a lot of people it's going to be a sweep. I'm like, no, it's not. I think it, I still got Vegas winning, but I have it going to six. I, Montreal, they're too gritty. They're too determined to let Vegas walk over them. And they got the split already. That's all they could ask for. And we'll see what they can do tonight in front of that 3,500 jam-packed crowd at the Bell Center, which why isn't it more than that? But nevertheless. Uh, Healthcare workers and mafia, so mafiosos only. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> only Italians and healthcare workers in there tonight. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, before we wrap up, I thought we'd play a little fact or fiction. We played this one of our, uh, one of the times you were on, and, uh, we had a little fun with it. So I have a few questions. We'll bounce through it if you're game and uh, we'll, we'll have a little fun here. Yep. No, we're fire away. All right. Austin Matthews will win the rocket Richard trophy next season. Fact or fiction. Uh, next year. Yeah. We're going to go with, uh, sorry for my good friend Seamus, but we're going to go with hard uh, uh, fiction on that one. Yeah. Uh, who are the, uh, who are you sniffing maybe is it, or an early candidate to win the rocket next year? We're going to see if, uh, you know, if Kucherov can't stay healthy and I think he might have a big year again. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I love Pasternak. Uh, oh yeah, and he can he can sniff some goals. That guy. Um, um, oh, Ovi, I think can have another big year in him too. I think a lot of people are starting to write him off. Um, but I'll say fact because he is arguably the best goal scorer in the game right now, um, and you know he can have another big regular season, and that'll be great for him. Uh, and then we'll get to the real season. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, he's Braden points scoring goals at his pace, but in the real season, he's got 16 goals in his last 19 playoff games. That's yeah. unheard of. Uh, you know, so uh, I will say fact, though, I think he you know, he's got the best wrist shot in the game right now. Uh, not the best shot over. I think Pasternak's got the best, that clapper. Cool. Yeah. One of the things I'll say is, um, if uh, if Matthews and the and the Leafs have to play in that North Division again, if that's a thing, yeah. they go year two and just you know kind of give the league a little breeze from playing those Canadian teams. Then uh, I think you know it's very possible that he could put up sixty. But <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, I, I, if it's if it's gonna be anybody, it would be him uh, because he scores at just such a quick pace. Yeah, he needs to have more hat tricks in there though. He doesn't get a lot of gets a lot of two goal games, but seems to lack that killer instinct. 
no pun intended. Um, all right, Nathan McKinnon will reach a Stanley Cup final before Connor McDavid. Fact or fiction? I think that's a fact. Yeah. I, I, I even ride with the Oilers, and that's a fact. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think they should have made it this year. Uh, um, me too. I, I don't know how the hell that they just got ran over by Vegas, but he's pissed. Uh, he's a competitor. He wants to win. And they're close. Um, Grubauer, I don't think was, I don't think he was great in that series, but I, I'd bring him back. I mean, he's nominated for the Vesna this year. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah. But add a few more depth forwards. They, they lack that. Maybe get a centerman that doesn't get suspended every other playoff. That would probably help. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go fact as well. I just think, I think Edmonton's making good strides. Obviously, they got swept this year, but they got some cap room. They're going to get James Neal off their books, uh, hopefully Koskinen off their books, and then they can – Smith. Well, uh, I think Smith might be coming back. Ah, God, I might take Cam Talbot over him again. <laughs> um, he, he might return, but um, they'll have to figure out what to do with Nugent Hopkins because he's a, a UFA. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm riding with the Avalanche just over – the Oilers in this case. Uh, and I think McKinnon's a better playoff player. Um, either Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or Fernando Tatis Jr. The third will be the MVP this season. Yeah, and I would say that's... They also get an opportunity to be, you know, that's ALNL. So one of them, either of them could win it. Yeah, no, I'd say that that's, that's pretty, pretty fact. I would say they're, they're both uh, kind of taking the league by storm, if I were to say so myself. And um, just the way that uh, that Vlad Jr. has been playing this year has just been uh, phenomenal, I think. And, uh, you know, if if neither one of them were to win on either of their respective sides, then I think it would be a, a big shame, I think. Yeah, if they keep playing the way that they are, they're tied for the league lead in home runs right now at 22. Um, I, I'd be really surprised if I think they're both the faces of the league. You know, Vladdy might win the Triple Crown, uh, which would be incredible. But I think they're both going to win multiple. Uh, but I, yeah, I think, I think it's a fact as well that I'll go with Vladdy. Maybe Acuna Jr. gets hot late. Mm-hmm. He wins it potentially, but I'd, I'd love to see them both win it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think Vlad Tatis Jr. The third, good chance to, to win. Factor fiction, Justin Thomas will be in the final pairing this weekend. Fiction. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge JT fan. I love him every goddamn tournament, but I just, he doesn't have it in him this week. And uh, to, to follow up on the previous Factor fiction. Yeah. When you said uh, the JT have three wins this year. Yeah. That's starting to look a lot like uh, fiction. Right. Yeah. He, he's a, he's a missed the cut there at the PGA and he's been spraying it a little bit, but um, I'm going to go. I, I do think he'll make the cut. I think he'll be mulling around, but I think John Rom will be in the final group. I'd love to see a Rom Kepka final group or Rom 
even Rom, Jake, like two studs at the end. I think that would be great. Uh, you know, Francisco Molinari, Luyo Stazen would be great too. I mean, that's a solid second pack that I would choose over anybody. Yeah, my I think if I were to have an ideal uh, final group for Sunday, it would, it would have to be uh, uh, Rom, I think, uh, um, Brooksy, and uh, I'd like to see DJ. Yeah, yeah. Those three guys can sure swing it, so. Yeah, that would be fun to see that, especially if they're all in the group, but they're not playing that great and they're all in the rough. Uh, yeah. that, that would make for a fun, fun Sunday. Um, a couple more. So Casey Ward, yourself, will watch at least one half of an NBA Finals game this year. <laughs> wow. Well, I, damn. That's a... Uh... I will say that that is uh, pretty fiction. I would say <laughs> I don't see that happening. I haven't watched a I, well. That's that's a lie. I have watched probably six minutes of basketball this year, and uh, I'd say thirty-five seconds of it was on Instagram. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> the NBA is not really for me. It's not something that I'm good at. I can't fucking play basketball at all. So it's uh, it's not something I really take an interest to except I used to school Seamus in uh, 21 in New York in his uh, driveway. So yeah, who didn't suck it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who didn't school? him when he thought he was really good, but he kind of struggled. He was like Larry Bird. Yeah. I remember I beat him one time at 21. He kind of took that hard because I can't shoot worth a lick. And I, I was, I think that still hurts his ego to this day that I, uh, I defeated him. Uh, but I'll never let him forget it either. Um, no, I'm going to say it screams fiction to me because I know you're not the biggest NBA guy. You don't really like the, the flopping aspect. <laughs> I'm going to go fact because one, maybe one night you're just like hockey's over. It's game four NBA finals. You're like, eh, some buddies been watching this game. Maybe I'll throw some, some cheddar on it. And uh, <laughs> I got, you know, maybe Kevin Durant's doing his thing. You're like, okay, let's see what's going on here. And you know, <laughs> yeah. Before you know it, you're like, "Holy shit, it's halftime!" And then you know, <laughs> it's just a fact. So I, I'm gonna ride with the fact that just pure boredom, and <laughs> maybe some cheddar on the game, and you'll you'll tune into at least a half of an NBA Finals game. Yeah, well, when you put it like that, I'm starting to kind of lean towards the uh, towards the fact side myself. I might have to flip that answer. Uh, yeah, it'll definitely be between the uh, NBA Finals and uh, following the uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, mm. The U and Sheamus have been doing the last couple of weeks, so that's yeah. that, that's definitely what's been in the docket. Last one, she- our friend, the aforementioned Sheamus Fillmore. <laughs> I can't even say oh, this is funny. Will fluff it in the rough like Patrick Reed this summer at Saint Ignace? <laughs> yeah, that's a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent fact. Um, <laughs> We're working on trying to get out for a round. Me and Seamus, we're trying to. I'm trying to figure out, uh, you know, where where we're gonna get out. I don't know if I'm gonna have to head down to uh, his neck of the woods and head down to St. John, or if we're gonna meet in the middle and you know go to Iggy or what or Baktouche. But uh, we're also trying to figure out. Uh, I haven't really mentioned this to him, but we're gonna try and figure out a stroke game here. Try and figure out, uh, make it interesting. You know, maybe a dollar or two dollars a hole. You know, whatever Seamus can afford. Yeah, well, maybe uh, I may have to caddy that round. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And we'll uh, we'll have to get a camera guy to come out and you know record some of these shots, and we'll 
put it up the first annual uh to the point sandbagger yeah we might yeah that's definitely something we gotta do uh, especially i i'm close one camera guy's just gonna be following seamus's every step and if i see it go in the rough the camera guy is instructed you're going in the rough with him and if there's any fluffing we gotta we gotta know and it's gonna be yeah. documented and we're gonna talk about it if seamus hits one you know left and it goes into the sticks you know I want people checking his pockets before he's going in there. Yeah. You know, how many, how many is he carrying in? Is he carrying three or four? Right. You know, chuck them out all these different places just to make sure he's got a different look. Right. We're talking about us three right now. Imagine how great this would be if it was DeShambo, Brooks, and Patrick Reed today. But no, they got DeShambo playing with Hideki and some amateur. We can't even pronounce his last name for Christ's sake. Oh my God. But some people just can't have nice things in life, Casey. And, Apparently it's us not have been able to watch these guys do it, but um, appreciate you hopping on this morning, man. It's always fun. Uh, always some, some good laughs with you and um, enjoy the, the golf this weekend, the hockey and, and uh, best of luck with, with the job and everything going forward. I'm sure we'll see each other soon. Right on. Thanks, man. Appreciate jumping on. Appreciate it. Uh, good to talk about sports and uh, lots of, lots of sports in the docket for the weekend. So. Uh... Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Thanks again to Casey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the golf, enjoy the sports, and uh, we'll talk soon.